Welcome to the Heartland Community Church Podcast, a podcast designed to help you in your personal spiritual growth. This podcast is part two of the Vision Weekend messages from Eric Parks, Heartland's lead pastor. What do you see when you see our city? A city that's past its prime? A town that's lost its luster? People who've lost their hope? A job too big, too impossible, that maybe our best days are behind us? But are they? 20 years ago, our church was started. And for the last two decades, I've watched God build a movement of people who love those outside the walls of our church, those who had drifted in their faith. And I watch people be ignited by the love of Jesus and be released into our community, changing lives and communities, schools, homes, all in Jesus' name. I watched the community take notice as we preached and lived the gospel. And there was one thing I watched. It's when people are fully surrendered to Jesus, nothing is impossible. And I have to believe that our story, this story, that it's not over, that our story is just beginning. Let me tell you what I see. I see a place where a new generation of passionate leaders are raised up and unleashed into our community. I see a church where the addictions are broken and freedom is released. A place of healing, restoration, redemption. I see a place where hopelessness is replaced by hope. Heartland, God has called us not only to save the lost, but to seek them out, to throw parties when the lost seek refuge in our house. So God, I pray that you will open our eyes to see the lost that live among us, the hurting that are broken around us, and the tools that you have given us to change this city and this world. Open our eyes, Father, to see who we are in you, the power we have access to in your spirit, and to be the church in every office, every place, every neighborhood, every space we inhabit, and every relationship we enjoy. So God, I pray that you will replace our fear with fearlessness, our doubt with an iron-like faith, our selfishness with generosity. Set our church on fire and pour out your spirit in ways that are unexplainable and undeniable so that a watching city, a watching world sees that Jesus is alive here. So when I was in college, there was this restaurant that we used to hang out at all the time. Um, and there was a guy that would show up every so often to do magic tricks. Now I know that sounds crazy, but the truth is he figured out that college kids actually pay quite a bit to have you come over and blow their mind during, you know, like chicken fingers and eating a hot dog. So one night he showed up at this restaurant and um, there was a table of girls that had paid him to do the magic trick and they just exploded with like, oh my gosh. So 
I saw their reaction and I said to my buddies, I'm like, I gotta see what this guy's doing. Cause the truth is, I guarantee you I can figure it out. So we pooled our money, we had the guy come over and he did this magic trick that I'm not kidding, was mind blowing. So mind blowing that like our whole table erupted and then we looked at each other and went, we have to see it again. So we pooled our money again and we gave him the, the, the cash and I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna watch everything he does. So I'm staring at his hands and when he was finished with the trick, he blew our minds again and I had no idea how he had done it, none. Like all night we talked like together, like how in the world did that dude do that trick with that card? You know, it's funny because I think that magic trick exposes a reality about us as humans. And, and it is that sometimes we find it hard to believe things that we see, right? Like we'll see something happen and we can't believe it because what's in our mind tells us, well, that can't be true. Like that can't be real. Sometimes the opposite's true too. That we get to believe in something so much. It gets so ingrained in us that no matter what we see, we can't believe that that would ever change. You know, there's just a story in the Bible, in 2 Kings, that illustrates this issue of what we see and what we believe. It's about a prophet named Elisha who was an advisor to the king of Israel during a war with a country and a king of Aram. Now, the short story was, is God was talking to Elisha all the time and he would tell Elisha what was happening with the king of Aram. So Elisha would tell the king of Israel, hey, don't go to this territory, don't go here, it's a setup. And it kept foiling the king of Aram's plan. He was so frustrated with Elisha that he decided he was gonna send an army to kill him, right? To capture him and get rid of him because he was a problem. So in 2 Kings chapter six, this army from the king of Aram finds Elisha and his one servant. They're hiding out in this city. And this is what happens in the 15th verse of chapter six. It says, when the servant of the man of God, that's his servant, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now you can see the servant going, wait, what? I, I don't know what you see, but what I see is there's two of us and lots of them. And so Elisha does what anyone does when you need someone to see what God's up to, he prays. And in verse 17, he says this, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. To see what God sees. You know, I don't know what you see when you look at your life when you look at our church or you look at this city. But here's my guess, is there are plenty of us, when you look at, a, at your life, that you've given up hope that your marriage will ever be restored, 
that you'll ever find financial freedom, that miracles will ever come your way, that blessing will ever be a part of your life because you see just a trail of broken dreams. My guess is there's a bunch of you that you've lost hope based on what you see. You look around our city and you see there'll never be reconciliation. There'll never be peace. It's never happened and it will never happen. Why? Because I see what's going on. Brokenness, bustedness, we don't know how to fix it. I think sometimes, just like that young servant, we need someone to come along and pray that our eyes be open to what God's up to. Listen, Heartland, listen. Maybe God is up to something amazing and we just can't see it. Maybe right now he's working to fix your marriage, your home, your job, your finances. You just can't see it. Maybe right now he's working in our community in ways you can't see. Maybe he's about to fix our country, our city, and maybe he's going to use us, this church, to do it. Maybe thousands of people are going to come to him and we just can't see it. I wonder what would happen if today God opened your eyes. I wonder what would happen if you got a glimpse to see what God was up to. So I'm gonna pray that over the next few minutes, God opens your eyes to see what I see. You know what I see? I see a place where the lost get rescued. Now I was thinking about one of my favorite stories. It was probably 15 years ago, and it was back when we were over on Perryville. Uh, I, you guys know I served as youth pastor and I led Heartland PM. And when you do that job, you don't just speak. You do everything. So. One afternoon, I found myself on a scissor lift up in the ceiling and I was hanging banners for Wednesday night or something when I heard someone come in to the atrium. I looked down and man, there was this disheveled kid um, who had wandered into the atrium. So I came down off of the uh, scissor lift and I said, hey man, can I help you? And immediately I recognized him because few years before, I had been a high school teacher at Christian Life High School. I taught senior Bible. I'm like, Ted? Is that you? Well, it was Ted, and he looked awful. He started to bawl. He said, I'm in real trouble, man. I'm like, what's going on? Well, come to find out, uh, Ted had a bit of a drug problem, and he had been arrested because he went to his grandparents' house and stole a bunch of electronics to fund his habit. He now was facing a felony and he had no idea what to do. And he said to me, I didn't know where else to go but here. Well, the truth is, I didn't know what to do because he's like, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know. So I put him in the scissor lift. And I'm like, I don't know, help me hang some banners. So over the next like few weeks, that's just what I had Ted do. Every time that he'd show up at the church, which was almost every day, I just found something for him to do, put him to work. And what, what started happening is, is something in him awaken, like he found Jesus again. 
recommitted his life. He began to serve around the church everywhere and weeks turned into months and soon he was like one of my key leaders at Heartland PM. And while he was there, he's like, Parks, I wanna go back to school. And so he started back at school in a medical profession and um, he found a girlfriend and they got engaged and they started attending our small group. And when it was time for him uh, to have this a sponge from his record because he got probation, I wrote him a letter of recommendation. You know, he still goes to our church. You, you know, like he has a family and he is a medical professional and his life has been utterly transformed. It's a miracle. This is the lost being rescued. And you know why he was rescued? Not because of me, no, because he felt safe to show up in our church, yeah. See, this is what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 15, when he lays out three stories about how we're supposed to see the lost. He talks about it in terms of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost kid. And with the lost coin, Jesus is making a pretty simple but powerful and profound message that we as the church, we have to leave the 99 to go get the one, right? He's saying everybody counts, everybody. Whatever we have to do, we go into the byways, into our communities, into our schools, that's what we have to do. But then he tells the story of the son, the prodigal son, the kid. And he's talking about something different. He's comparing the attitude of the father and the elder brother. And what he's really saying to us is, everybody counts and anybody counts. Yeah, right, like you don't have to have it put together to show up in our place. What Jesus is saying to us is, we have to create a place where when people like Ted walk in the door, they feel safe, that they feel home, that they feel like, hey, I can find Jesus here. He doesn't have to get it put right or get it all squared away. He knew this place was safe because Heartland, we have to be a place for anybody. You know what I see? I see this, Heartland, a place where everybody and anybody can find Jesus. A place where every single story counts, no matter where you come from, what your background is, what the color of your skin is, you're safe in our house. I see a place where the hurting find help. Those that are helpless find hope. Those that are lonely find community. And I see a place where the broken find healing. I see a place where the lost get rescued. In Jesus' name, they find him. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see a place where we're ready and willing to go into any place to save everyone. And can you see a place filled with grace, ready to throw parties for anybody who shows up in our door? Can you see it, Heartland? Because that's what I see. I see a place where the lost get rescued.
see a place where generosity gets unleashed. Now, I know what you're thinking. Anytime you hear the word generosity, I think oftentimes we think about just finances. But, but I want to stop for a second. And I want to look at generosity just slightly different. Like, what does it mean to be a church that's generous in spirit? Now, here's the reality. I don't know every single one of you, um, and you don't all know me, but this is what we all share. We share a generous salvation story if you've come to Jesus. I mean, think about it. You were created in God's image, and that is generous. Now, all of us, every single one of us, we kind of gone our own way and done our own things. Some of us, way worse than others. But either way, like we've all sinned and we've all fallen short. Bible says this, and yet God sends his son for you. And that's generous. Now, it's not like Jesus stepped out of heaven into a palace. He actually stepped into a slum, right? He was treated awful. We know the Bible says that he bore our transgressions, right? He was beaten, treated poorly, spit upon, and that's generous. And then he goes to the cross, and he dies for you, for me. Like, I can't repay that. I don't deserve it. But he does it. That's generous. And then as he leaves, you know what he does? He leaves his spirit behind, the Holy Spirit here, so that you and I can be empowered to live the way God asks us to live. Like, that we can be led by his spirit. It takes up residence in us. I mean, it's just a story of generosity. Your salvation story is the ultimate story of generosity. Now. Jesus has something to say to us then. Those of us that have experienced true generosity. If you look in Matthew chapter 18, he tells a a parable or a story about a king who forgives a debtor, a huge debt. But then that debtor, he goes out and he's not generous. He goes and collects his debt. Here's what Jesus says. It says in verse 32, then the king called in the man who he had forgiven And he said, you evil servant, like I forgave you that tremendous debt. You pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Like what he says to you is like, if you've experienced generosity, then you can't not be generous. Like you you have to be generous. To be generous is to be like Jesus. And, And the more generous we are, the more we're like his heart. Generous with our stuff, with our time, with our explanations of other people. This is what it means to be generous. This is what I see, Hartman. A church that absolutely, its generosity funds missions all around the globe. A church where we dream massive, God-sized dreams, and then we have the courage to step in and execute them. I see a church where the pace of our generosity, it really does outpace the need in our community. I see a church where if you need something, you come to us. I see a church where other churches in our community 
No matter where your church is, if you're in trouble and you need financial help, you know where you call? You call us. You call Heartland. And I promise you that you will have the leadership I will lean in to being generous in spirit. See, this is what I see. And you know why this is so huge? It's because Jesus promises us when we step out and we receive generosity and then we give generously back, like we live in a generous posture that just more things come our way. Look what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9 when he says, Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. Listen, we first receive generosity, then we give generosity, and then God lavishes us with more generosity. It's this beautiful flywheel of a generous spirit. And I see a church where generosity gets unleashed in the hearts of all our people. And because of it, transformation happens all around us. Heartland, this is what I see. So Harlan, I see a place where the lost get rescued, where generosity is unleashed. And finally, I see a place where you are living out your mission. You know that you were made for a mission, that God has a plan and you have a gift. Now, I saw this on full display years ago when I was running Delta, our student ministry. I had a leader that had recently started coming around the church, stepped into leadership with high school students and she went on a missions trip to Atlanta. Her name was Lindsay Lang. She now is known as Lindsay Sherbondi. And her gift is quite simply that she is maybe the most brilliant artist I've ever been around. Uh, you know, no joke. Like her hands, what she can create. Well, we were out in a park in the middle of Atlanta serving some homeless men and women. Um, and it was me and my buddy Greg um, sort of watching as the kids fed homeless men and women in the community. But something got our attention. We looked over at the corner of a park and we noticed that there was one homeless woman, that she was an outcast even to those homeless men and women that were there. She was by herself and she looked as if the entire weight of the world was on her shoulders, that she hadn't had a shower in who knows how long. There was rags that were hanging off of her. It was one of the most heartbreaking scenes Greg and I started to talk to each other when we noticed that Lindsay, out of nowhere, began to walk over to that lady. Now we later found out from other homeless men and women in the community that she was like, they considered her the worst of the worst. And yet this kid, 20 something year old kid, walks to her and we watched as carefully she began to use her hands to gently peel socks off of that woman's feet and then she took a basin some water and soap and she began to wash that woman's feet and those hands that created art she began to take lotion and put them on the woman's feet a woman's feet that probably hadn't been touched skin that hadn't been touched in years 
You see, this is what I'm talking about. Every single one of us have been designed to live on mission. You're not an accident. You were born on purpose. And we are not supposed to live like random or careless lives. Like God created us for a relationship with him and he created us to join him in his work, in this world, whatever that work is. You see, there's a purpose to your life. There's a purpose to your life. And that purpose, man, it will outlive our days on this planet. You know, I don't think any of us want to get to the end of our lives and look at our lives and kind of think we've invested in all the wrong things and kind of taken these gifts that we've had and put those efforts into things that have no lasting value. We all want to live in God's plan on mission. And here's the truth. God is calling us to join him to give up our small dreams and embrace his vast purpose. Heartland, he's asking all of us to live the way we were designed to live. But I know every single one of us oftentimes get to points you go, I, I wanna live that way, I wanna live on mission, but I have no idea how. Well, look, I think it's simple. First, you have to believe that God has a plan. You may not see it, but God has a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for this community. You may not see it, but he has a plan. And then you have to accept that you have a gift. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we're his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I've come to believe this with everything in me, that at the intersection of God's plan and your gifting, that's your mission. That's it. That the intersection of his plan and, and, and your gifting, that's your mission. And you say, well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you gotta then do two things. You need to find out what God's wired you to do. And we wanna help them. You gotta figure out what it is that you've been made to do. And then you have to put yourself in a place where you can take your gifts and put them to work. I'm telling you, there is nothing like taking your gifts at the intersection of God's plan and watching the miraculous happen in the lives of human beings. Let me be clear. Our work is people. There are marginalized, hurting, needy, sick, hungry people who need us to take our gifts and minister to them. You know, when we serve people, I think that is God's plan. When we just actively serve people with our gifts, that is our mission. And I'm convinced of this, the more you step into that, the more you make yourself available, the more you pray that God opens your eyes, the more you live on mission. It's that simple. And here's what I know. I know that what I see as a church we're not spectators, we're not consumers. Every single one of us, we're contributors to his mission in this city, that we begin to change our neighborhoods, that we change our families, our schools, our workplaces. This is our mission. And I know that when we start to live that way, we'll begin to see the miraculous. 
See, I know that if you step into your mission and you start living it, God can do exceedingly more than you can dream. See, this is not about us. It's about Him and His power. That when we make ourselves available, that He empowers us to step out and live on mission. This is what I'm seeing for us. And Heartland, I'm praying with everything in me, just like 2 Kings, that God will open your eyes to what I see. God, open our eyes today to see as you see, to love as you love, to respond as you respond, to care about the things that you care about. We are being invited, Jesus, today to live passionately at the intersection of God's plan and your gifting on the stage of God's story. And it is his story. And I'm inviting you on behalf of Jesus today to take your place on the stage of God's redemptive story at this time and this place for his glory, to join God in his story. Heartland, we wanna dream dangerous God-sized dreams. We wanna pray dangerous God-sized prayers. We wanna believe dangerous outcomes that only God can give. Now God, open our eyes. Leave us shocked and amazed at what God can do in and through us by his power, his power working in us for his purposes. To what God you can do in and through us if we are fully yielded. Father, help us see lives redeemed, a church renewed, a city transformed. Help us see a God-sized victory. You've been listening to the Heartland Community Church Podcast with Eric Parks. You can experience the entire service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or on YouTube at Heartland CC Rockford. Or you can watch it on the Heartland app. Search Heartland CC in the App Store. Thanks for listening.